Um, Peter, welcome. It's great to have you here this morning. Hey, pleasure to be here. Peter, um, now you're going to be talking to us about organic gardening. Uh, yeah. Give us a bit... Um, well, but before we come to that, uh, how long have you been on the Central Coast? Well, I'm a bit of a local. Um, I was born at North Entrance, so I guess that makes me a long-term local. Okay, that does make you a local. I think a lot of people, a lot of us are refugees to the Central Coast from various yeah. other places. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, tell us, uh, give us a couple of things that you love about, uh, I love about the Central Coast, some of your favourite things. Well, the Central Coast is probably one of the best places in the world to live. Um, I mean, you've got the surf, there's so many good surf options. Uh, the climate's fantastic and there's so many things to do, really. It's, um, uh, it's just plenty of options for children, adults. Uh, it's a tourist area and it's a, just a great place to live, I think. Okay, so it's Saturday afternoon. Um, you don't have any particular plans. It's a sunny day, it's about 26 degrees. Um, there's nice offshore breeze. Uh, what are you going to do to relax that Saturday afternoon? I think I'd pull weeds out of the strawberry patch. <laughs> no, no, really. You, you, the first thing you probably think of is you go surfing or fishing, and if that's no good, you head for the, for the veggie patch. Okay, so the veggie patch is a love of yours. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a fair. Okay. Um, and look, tell us, uh, you're going to be speaking to us about organic gardening. What are your qualifications for speaking to us about that? Well, I've got a uh, diploma in horticulture, and I've run a wholesale plant nursery for most of my working life and I've been doing organics as more or less my, uh, one of our main food supplies up at Summersby for the family and, and friends for about 25 years now so I've been doing it for quite a while. So growing a lot of your own fruit and vegetables yeah, for 25 we, years? We yeah, we have a fairly extensive orchard yeah. and vegetable garden so we, we do, uh, we hardly buy any food now in the fruit and veggie section. I mean, you look pretty healthy. Yeah, you're, well, you're uh, about 95, aren't you? Huh? You're about 95, is that right? 95. You're a very, very healthy-looking specimen. Yeah, yeah, in the shade, yeah. <laughs> all right, no, we're looking forward to hearing, uh, hearing all about it, so thanks very much. Thank you. Well, organic gardening, that's what I'm speaking to you on, and a lot of you have probably heard the word organic and it's applied to so many different things these days. Not just gardening, but there's organic personal care, there's organic products everywhere. I even saw recently that you can buy an organic toothbrush if you want to. I even saw organic dog food. I thought that's going a little bit far, but I suppose if you love your pet, there's nothing wrong with getting organic dog food. But organics is something which is a booming industry, and when it applies to gardening, it simply means that you, instead of applying ke uh, chemicals which are man-made or poisons which are uh, harmful to the environment and harmful to you, you choose other options. Instead of using, for instance, Roundup or Zero to control weeds, you use the old-fashioned method. You chip them out or you use mulching or mowing or slashing and things like that. Instead of spraying uh, a harmful insecticide, you either pick the caterpillars off, if you've got the patience, or you choose something like Dipel, which is a bacteria which you can spray on and it'll control caterpillars. So organics is, is a big thing and it's pretty much 
looking after yourself, your own health, and looking after the environment in, in the way that you garden. Now, I'll give you a brief background as to why I got into organic gardening. I've been doing it for about 25 years. I was originally just a normal standard chemical man, come out of college, learned all about the chemicals. In fact, I remember one of my lecturers said, you know, it's a pity they ever banned DDT. It's one of the best things to control weevils in bananas. So that's the generation that I was sort of taught by, DDT and Lindane and all those things. But I was, I used to live at Matcham up until about 16 years ago and I had a wholesale nursery there and I also grew cut flower roses. And if anyone's ever tried to grow roses on the Central Coast, you know what the problems there are. There's so many diseases that get into them that that's hardly worth your while. So I was growing roses and spraying with a spray vat. We were growing them for cut flowers. And I had a spray vat behind me. I had all of the plastic gear on, a face shield and everything you're supposed to have. And I was using a chemical called carbaryl, which was very safe, according to the label. And everyone used to use carbaryl, and we still do. I don't. But after I sprayed, I'd been using it for probably a couple of years, and that night I was so sick I couldn't even eat. I had stomach cramps, and for four days I was very, very sick. And I decided there and then that I've got to get out of this because if I'm going to live for another 25 years as a nurseryman, I can't keep this up. So I decided to go into the organic alternatives. Now, you know that chemical carbaryl is a very interesting one. About a year after that, I was in the vet in the vets getting an injection for my dog and I was waiting and I looked on the shelf and here was flea powder for dogs and dog wash for ticks and fleas and guess what the chemical in that was? Carbaryl. And I thought people are washing their dogs and they're, they're puffing their animals to get rid of fleas with the same chemical that made me so sick and I thought that's ridiculous. But that's what happens with chemicals. They're everywhere. You've got to be aware of them. So what are the benefits of organic gardening? Well, firstly, organic food is better for your health, nutritionally, and it's also chemical-free. And they are two of the big reasons why people go organic. Do you know there's a company called Monsanto? Oh, hopefully no one works for that company. I mean, Monsanto, they're the company that brought Roundup onto the market, Roundup the or Zero, the weedicide that revolutionised horticulture. It was safe for the environment, supposedly, safe for humans. In fact, it used to be organically certified. Monsanto now have genetic, genetically modified uh, Roundup-resistant genes that they splice into wheat and, and canola and other crops. And they're the company that are producing GMO food. But they have an office in England, and in that office they have a cafe for their staff. And do you know what sort of food they offer for their staff in that cafe? Organic food, GM-free. And someone asked the chief executive officer of Monsanto, why do you offer the GM-free organic food to your staff? And he said, we like to give them choice. But there you go, staff working for Monsanto choose the organic option. So it's better for your health. But you know, the very best way to get nutrition from food is to grow your own. Because nutrition is really related to how soon after you grow the product, you eat it. As soon as you pick something, an apple or a, a tomato or anything, it starts to break down and the nutritional value starts to diminish. 
So you can buy organic food in shops. It's usually a bit more expensive. But the very best way is to grow your own. And you'll get the very best nutritional value out of it. And that's what I'm here for, to try and encourage you to grow your own organic food. So secondly, it tastes better. Now there's a big argument on this. There was a study done by Stanford University, some of you might have seen it recently, where they came out with the statement, there is no benefit in organic food over chemically grown food. And there was a big debate raging on this for some time. But it's interesting to look at the, the back, the, behind that study was a big company called Cargill, which is a multinational food producing company, and they funded that study. So you've got to wonder, when you read studies like that, just where it's coming from. But organic food tastes better. Now, one of the reasons why it tastes better is that organic food doesn't have to use the mass-produced varieties. Because when you grow food for the, for the supermarket, and I, you can't blame them for this because if we want cheap food, it has to, this is why it's developed this way, it has to be, it has to be um, bred to be hard when it's harvested, to look like it's ripe, and to store for a long time in the shelf. And that's what we want, isn't it? You don't want, something, you don't want to go to the shelf and pick a tomato that's starting to soften up. And that's, what happens then is that the taste of the variety is the last thing on the option. It has to be hard, it has to be able to be harvested and has to be able to keep. So when you grow your own food, you can choose those heirloom varieties, the old-fashioned ones, which have the flavour still in them. The other thing is that you save money. I did a bit of research and I estimated from the Australian Bureau of Statistics that we, as an average household, spend between two and two and a half thousand dollars per annum on fruit and vegetables. That's a conservative estimate. But if you're buying organic, of course, you'll pay more than that. So conservatively, if you just have a, a reasonable size organic uh, vegetable garden in your house, you could save two to two and a half thousand dollars per annum. So it, it, it saves you money, it's economic sense. And fourthly, you get to do your bit to save the planet. Now I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek because I'm not necessarily a, um, a big... I'm not necessarily convinced about greenhouse gases. I think it is important. The environmental aspect is very important. But it is estimated that if you grow your own organic food, you reduce greenhouse gases by 30%. If everyone did that, there'd be a 30% reduction in greenhouse gases worldwide. So that's a good argument as well. The other thing is you get to learn a lot about nature. And we live in a time now where we, there is a huge disconnect between us human beings and the natural world. We spend most of our time behind a computer or doing other things. We rarely get out into the natural world and environment. And when we do, we usually walk straight past it and don't really take much notice. But when you're a when you have a garden, an organic garden in particular, you take a lot of notice about what's going on in that garden. So you get to learn a lot more about the natural world. And the other thing is it keeps you fit. It's great exercise. Now a lot of people spend a lot of time in gyms and, and doing all sorts of other recreational sports. But you know that gardening is one of the greatest things to keep you fit. It's fantastic exercise. You, you do stretching, you do lifting, you do cardiovascular. All the things that you do in a gym, you can do in the garden. And it, it's, it's productive as well. The other thing about gardening, 
and this doesn't just apply to organic gardening, but it's especially important with organics, it's fantastic therapy. And they're getting incredible results now with horticultural therapy. There are whole organisations which use horticulture and gardening as therapy for special needs groups. I just read recently a testimonial about a, a boy, a mother of a boy in England who was a Down syndrome boy, very depressed and he was at home, he had no purpose in life much, and he got into an organic community garden. And the horticultural therapy that he got from that completely revolutionised him. So they're using it now as a form of therapy for all sorts of special needs groups. And Peter Kundle, you might have heard of him, he's the famous ABC gardening guy. He's currently setting up uh, horticultural community gardens for war veterans to help them deal with their post-war uh, stress syndrome. And he's getting in very good results with that as well. It's a very very therapeutic thing to do and if you do it yourself you'll know what it's like if you're feeling stressed uh, quite often if I'm feeling pressure from something or other I'll just head for the for the garden start pulling weeds it sounds a bit funny pulling weeds but it is it's therapeutic you see a problem and you see something that needs a bit of work and you fix it up and when, when you're finished it looks good and you get satisfaction and it's relaxing relaxing for your mind so then the question is can you do it and the answer is yes, you can. It's not that hard really at all. There's just a few things that you need and I've listed them here. I'll run through them. The first thing is you need a little bit of sunshine and the more sun you have, the better. If you've got a yard or a block where you have uh, pretty good sun or half-day sun and you've got a bit of space there, you've got what you need to make an organic productive garden. And you need a little bit of space but you don't necessarily have to have the ground. Uh, you can have a balcony. In fact, there's an article in, the, in a magazine I was reading about um, a lady called Indira Naidu, who is a, is a TV presenter. She converted her balcony to a completely productive herb and vegetable garden just by growing things in pots and, and containers and window boxes. And she, can pick, she grows all her own herbs, a lot of her own lettuce and things like that, just on a balcony. So you don't really need that much space. You just need a bit of sunshine and a bit of uh, determination. The other thing you need is time. You do need a bit of time. And a lot of us these days say, oh, I've got no time for anything extra. My life is completely full. I've got no time to do anything more. But if you sat down and, and wrote down all the things that you spend your time on, you'd probably find that there's a few things that you can spare, that you can delete and devote that time to, to the garden. And I estimate that once you've got a garden going, a reasonably good sized one, you only need to spend about four hours a week on it. That's not much, is it, for the benefits that you get from it. The other thing you need is patience. Now, that's something that really is lacking these days, isn't it? I was sitting next to the computer with my son about a week and a half ago, a 24-year-old son, and he was helping me sort out a problem on the computer. And he said, don't worry, I'll fix it up, Dad. And he clicked on something, and it took about a second and a half for this thing to appear on the screen. And he said, Dad, your computer is so slow. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? It only took a second and a half. He said, yeah, but that's twice as long as it should have taken. I can't wait for broadband. That's the stage we've got to, isn't it? Half a second is too long when it comes to the computer world. But when you 
When it comes to gardening, you need to be patient. If you plant a tomato plant, it'll take 8 to 12 weeks before you'll be picking tomatoes. If you plant a fruit tree, it takes 2 to 5 years before you'll be picking fruit. So if you're an impatient type, well, start gardening because you'll soon learn to be patient. That's one of the greatest lessons in life, isn't it? That things that are really worth having take time and you have to be prepared to wait for them. And it, it helps if you have a strategic plan. In other words, expect the attacks of bugs and diseases and things. Don't think that it won't happen because it will. And if you're ready and prepared for that and you have a bit of a plan, then you can be prepared beforehand and make sure that you're not caught all of a sudden with a batch of tomatoes that look good and you cut them open and there's grubs inside and then you think, oh, that's no good, I'm going to give up on this. But if you're ready for that and you know it's going to happen, there's some very simple things you can do to, to get ready to make sure that the grubs don't get into the tomatoes. So prevention is better than cure. We, we use a rotational spray of um, seaweed, crushed prawn shells, which is called amino grow, and eco-oil. And that combination, sprayed every three weeks, virtually eliminates 80% of all of your pests. It just works by repelling them. And the smell of it's really good after you spray it. It smells a bit like Terrigal Haven at low tide. <laughs> Beautiful seaweed smell. But it only lasts for a day. It really does work. And there are some really great things around now that you can use to, to grow things organically. You don't have to use chemicals. About 30 years ago, there, wasn't many, there weren't many options. You had to use... You went into a garden centre and you saw a great big arsenal of, of chemicals. Organophosphates, which are related to nerve gas. That's where they were developed from. All these terrible things. And, but now you go to a garden centre and you can see all the organic options. They're there. So it's much easier now. And you can always join a club. There are some great gardening clubs out there. Diggers is one of them. And the Garden Clinic in Sydney is another one. Or you can go to a local nursery and, and, and get some information from them. Now, I'm, I've got a few things down the back that I'm going to give away. But I've, you're going to have to answer some questions first. Now, I mentioned that when you start gardening, you start to be observant and you notice things. About three years ago, I saw one of the strangest things I've ever seen in my life. I was walking across the lawn towards the orchard and I saw a circle of green grass about that wide, like a donut, just in the lawn, middle of the lawn. And I thought, someone's come out here with a fertiliser in, in a circle with a string light and made a circle of fertiliser. I said to my wife, have you been doing anything in, in, on the lawn? She said, no. So for three days, that green band of grass got greener and greener. And I was absolutely perplexed by this. I'd never seen it. I didn't know what was going on. And then after three days, these blue mushrooms started to appear in the green grass. So then I had a circle of mushrooms in the middle of the lawn. I'd been on the property for 12 years and never seen it before. It just suddenly popped up. Now, that had me completely perplexed. I've done a bit of research and I now know what was going on. But mushroom circles are very interesting things. And they evoke all sorts of strange behaviour in people at times. Some people join hands and start prancing around inside the circle. Other people sit cross-legged and meditate on circles or something. But they're a very, very unique thing. I won't ask you what causes mushrooms to grow in circles. 
because I don't think anyone would really know, if, unless anyone wants to have a stab at it. <laughs> no, well, why did the grass turn green? That's another one. No. <laughs> yes? Sorry? No, no, no. If you want to know, I'll tell you later on, but I'll ask you a simpler question. You know, when, when, when you know the answer to everything, it takes the mystery out of it, doesn't it? There's a very good reason why mushrooms sometimes grow in circles. And there's another reason why the grass turned green before the mushrooms came up too. But when you see these things, they're very, very interesting and fascinating. They're, they're amazing things in nature that happen. The question I'm going to ask you is this, and it's related to that. What is the world's largest living organism? Anyone want to have a stab at that? And I'll give you, as a prize for this, I've got a tray of seedlings down there. I've got ten plants, and two of them are the best heirloom varieties of tomato that you can get. One of them is the one that always wins the digger's taste test. Yes? No, it's not a tree. No? Yes? Very good. It's a mushroom. The... They have discovered a, a fungus. The mushroom is actually the fruiting part of the fungus. The fungus lives under the soil. That'll give you a clue as to why this mushroom grew in a circle. The biggest living organism is a mushroom in America that lives in the forest, and it's, it, it covers 100 acres or something like that. It's part of the one organism, and it's the biggest living thing in the world. So there you go. You've got some seedlings at the back. Second question is about, it's about apples. You know... In 2010, after two years, they finally cracked the genetic code of the apple. And they found that the apple has 57,000 genes. 57,000. Now, that's double what the human genome is. So when, if I held up a little simple apple here and say, which is the most complex, this or me, it's the apple. 57,000 genes. And they now know from that study where the apple came from. And that was something that always puzzled the scientists. What was the origin, origin of the apple? Now, some people think it was the Garden of Eden, but it wasn't. We only think that because we see certain Renaissance paintings that show Adam and Eve with an apple. But there was no, there was no apple in the Garden of Eden. So where did the apple come from? That's the question. Now, I know it's hard, but I'll give you a clue. It's a country that's between Russia and China, and it starts with K. And it sounds a bit like Afghanistan. <laughs> Kazakhstan, you got it? <laughs> okay. So you've got a bag of organic apples. Now, these, these organic apples were grown at Summersby. People say you can't grow apples on the Central Coast. Well, you can. There's a tropical apple, and it's actually called Tropical Beauty. And they're huge and delicious. And you can, if you want to, you can grow apples, even at Terrigal. Because they've bred them now. They've got special varieties that are what they call low chill. They don't have to grow in a cold climate. Now, I've got a bag of organic tomatoes up there. And you can, whoever gets this one can prove me as to whether or not they taste better than the Coles ones. <laughs> I, I know they do. Anyway, what is the world's most popular fruit? Who said tomato first? <laughs> oh, the lady with her hand up. Okay. 
Tomato is a fruit, it's not a vegetable, and it's the world's most popular fruit, so you get a bag of organic tomatoes. Now, I've got some seedlings down there as well. I've got about a dozen seedlings. For anyone who wants to try, you can have one each, and they're really good heirloom capsicum varieties. So don't sort of jump over yourselves. There's a few there. At the end of the talk, you, if you like, you can grow some of them each. I'm not sure how much time I've got left here. How are we going? Two minutes. Okay, then. How do you get started? Well, the simplest way is to have a no-dig garden. If you're feeling lazy and you don't want to do any exercise, the no-dig garden that you might have seen Costa on TV do is the simplest way. That's where you just put a layer of newspaper, a layer of loosened hay, then some manure, and then a bit more hay and a bit more manure and some compost on the top, like a sandwich. And you can actually put that straight over the top of concrete if you want to. And then you can put the plants in the top and they grow. And if you want to, you can put that straight in the lawn, over the top of the grass. You don't have to dig anything and you're up and running. Or you can just dig. If you're feeling like the exercise option and you want to give up your gym membership and start gardening instead, or get out the mattock or a shovel and just start digging up the grass. Do you know a quarter acre block, you can be virtually completely self-sufficient and you'll have enough for yourself and your neighbours? great way to meet your neighbours is to grow extra food and just take it, introduce yourself to your neighbours and say, would you like to have some food? I'll grow this. It's a great thing to do. Or you can buy those garden beds. Have you seen them? They're like rippled tank uh, pieces and you can plonk them in the middle of the lawn or anywhere, fill them up with soil and you don't have to bend that way. You can stand and the, everything's at this level and you can just pick them like that. So if you've got a bad back, you can still garden by doing that. So there's a few ideas. There's plenty of resources out there and hopefully you can start doing some organic gardening yourself. Thank you. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. That's been...